Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Willow Bower, Chapter 3 of Volume 2. It's been a whole year since I recorded the last chapter, but it was kind of fun, and I have a little bit more time on my hands than I did, at least I hope I do, for a little bit longer. And I enjoyed it, so I'm going to record anyway, and it's my little secret. So if you're listening too, then I guess it's both of our little secret. And we'll just go ahead and enjoy it, as long as I have something to say. So again, all the episodes are still on iTunes and in Blog Talk Radio and different places you can go download them for free. So please go back and have a look at those for the past story. And if you kind of remember what we were talking about, that'll help. But if not, you might need to listen again. And the last most recent episode, again, was a good solid year ago. So it might be complete madness that I'm doing this again, but I had something written. I thought maybe I'd share it. So we're up to Willowbauer, Volume 2. Chapter 3 After Anya's parting words and her retreat into her castle with Luke's map, he and Annalise were at a loss for words. They knew, as Luke said, that if they did not keep the peace with her, she could have them put out into the edge in between this beautiful world and the world of humans. Annalise struggled to survive there in the thinner energy that left her cold and tired. The soldiers were out there, too, in random batches of wandering humans they had stumbled over in the course of decades or longer. None of those humans were anything they wanted to deal with again if they could help it. Luke contemplated what they had learned about Annalise. They learned she had the blood of the people of this magical world. At least she had enough of it to open the veil between home and the edge, as well as the one between the edge and the verdant green of Anya's kingdom. What she could not do was navigate once the door was open to either location or time. The edge had no reference to time, but their world certainly did, And so Luke knew if he and Annalise tried to slip back from the edge into the land of humans, even with his compass map, there was no way to know where they would end up. With Anya's oldest magicians, the map, and Annalise, their chances were far better, but they weren't going to get any help until Anya got what she wanted. Hopefully all she really wanted was help with the human invaders. Luke really did want to go home. He really did want to be with his family again. He loved them. He loved his wife. He loved his children and his home and seeing the night sky. Likewise, he really did want to stay here, too, and to be with Annalise in this kingdom of green. He wanted to be two men at the same time. He felt like a different man already, in truth. And Annalise, oh, Annalise was blossoming and glowing with light more every day they were here, radiating some type of ethereal beauty as do all the people of this land. She was fully aware of it. He could tell when their eyes met that she could feel this land in her blood, and it called to her. He knew she hurt and had known deep loss, and that being here was soothing to those wounds. And he knew, perhaps before she did, that if she stayed here, her own powers as a pathmaker or more would grow. He had seen just a bit of what she was capable of, but surrounded by the magic of this world and some teaching, he could scarcely imagine what a force she would wield. He didn't know if she realized yet that her otherworldly blood and her human defiance combined would probably gain her access to the land of the dead and her daughter, rules be damned. If someone could defy the laws of life and death, it would be Annalise. At the very least, she would try, even if it got her killed. Still, the idea of Annalise remaining here in this magical place shattered him. It wasn't natural, he thought. 
If the universe chose that Annalise should be born in the world of humankind, then that is where she belonged in this life. And he knew that the natural order didn't matter to him half as much as the idea of losing her altogether. Being a car's drive from her, though he knew he mustn't ever see her again, was just psychologically more comforting than being two realities away from her until she was erased from their world and melted into myth and eternity. He noticed she was watching him. She had a trick of catching his thoughts as he had of catching hers. It's true, she said. I am becoming like them. All of my senses are opening and awakening. He knew with a brief moment of pure openness in her gaze that she was in love with him, and that as she cast her eyes down, he realized she was not willing to tell him so for the sake of them both, for the sake of his chance to return to his wife, his home, and his children. He didn't know what to say. He felt too many things to even put into words, and he was afraid to say it out loud. Annalise, he said. She stood up, gently interrupting him, and held out a hand. Walk with me, she said. He bowed slightly and took her hand, and they walked, with her guard still trailing them at a distance. I can't deny you anything, you know, he said. It's like Lelia said in the beginning when we arrived on the shore. You are a queen who is lost for her kingdom, and I am your champion. I have a terrible compulsion to obey you. You're be beginning to, I don't know, shine, like Anya does, like the maidens dancing in the great hall. I'm not sure I can actively defy you. Annalise gave him a dubious look. He chuckled, actually thinking how strong-willed she had gotten since they arrived in Anya's isle, and several arguments they had both had. She had become so stubborn he had to nearly be belligerent a couple times with her, and it had not gone well. She squeezed his hand gently. You defy me plenty. It's good for me. He said softly, Our home needs more women like you. Our home needs the power of women's magic. There are others already, she said. You'd be surprised how many. But let's not talk about that just now, please, she asked gently. He nodded. Okay, later then. Annalise began. Once Anya told us what she did about the edge, I understand it being a barrier space between our worlds, but not even a place or time of its own. It's an illusion of sorts, if you think about it. It's nowhere. And yet, there are beings in it. We were in it for a while, and we just assumed it was a natural wilderness. The other humans, they believe they're in a place too, and they assume, as all beings do, that the place in which they find themselves is comparable to what they knew from before. That's how our perception works as humans, as long as what we see is close enough to fit within a small deviation from our baseline of understanding. Luke nodded. Yeah, for example, night and day. We see light, though we never did see the sun. Then it grew dark, and we assumed a day had passed, but that is true at home, even though there's no time in the edge. We would never have really known that, though, without information to the contrary. Correct, she said. It's like a giant mind trick, and everyone in the edge, including those soldiers, is inside that illusion. They have no idea what it is, or what it is not. He nodded. What do you think they perceive? She stopped and turned to him. That's what I'm processing. What if we try to influence their perception? He considered this. At least we need to make sure they don't think it's someplace interesting. You know how we are, we humans. They would keep coming just for the sake of solving the puzzle if they think it's a new frontier. Whoever funded that thing has a substantial amount of money. You see what they rolled in on. He nodded in a grim manner. I did see. What if Anya's magicians can send them back to the human realm? Who cares where they land or what time? She said the oldest magicians can do it. 
We know it can be done because even you can at least look through the veil and you're new at it. Annalise said, but the soldiers have seen the edge now and they probably at least saw the hunters. A couple of their guys got killed and they would want to see who that was. They must have seen the projectiles and the bodies of their dead. They saw an unspoiled wilderness and I doubt they would forget that. Luke paced along the stream while Annalise sat on a mossy rock nearby. Hey, he said. What if they think they'd been sent to another place in the human world? Like where? Annalise asked. What is as empty as the edge but with the same kind of vegetation and such? The world is so developed now. Luke looked at her with that expression he got when he had a sudden idea. What if they thought they went to a different time, before so much development, but on our own continent? Like where? Annalise asked. Her interest piqued. Like, he said, the western U.S. before the railroad. There's grassland, same kind of trees, same kind of animals. Another option is Canada. Lots of open space there. But the suggestion, either way, would have to be planted, which means they would have to come across something that made them believe they were where we want them to think they are. Something. Or someone, Annalise said quietly. Lots of humans in the edge, Luke said with marginal unease. Not the ones we want them to see. They'll say all the wrong things. Hey, how about one from late 1800 San Francisco, Annalise asked. What, Samuel from the cave? Yes, Annalise said, Dr. Samuel Taylor. Him and you and me. He could outfit us. He had some period-appropriate clothing, some gear from the time period. No way, Luke said. First, I doubt he'd do it. And second, you can't go back to the edge for long. You get weak. It's several vehicles of soldiers, Annalise. Be serious. I am serious, Annalise said. Or do you have a better idea? But what about the hunters that shot at them with bows, Luke asked. They know they were attacked. How do we explain that? Indigenous tribes, Annalise said. Suggestion is a powerful force. We can mention that we're watching out for just such attacks. Luke looked doubtful, but Annalise pressed on. You said they're speaking Portuguese. They're foreign nationals, Luke. It's not like they're experts on North American indigenous people. We need to consider trying to provide them with a hypothesis they can somewhat believe... And then they will naturally want to believe it, because that's how human minds work. As long as at least one of them speaks English, which probably at least one or two do, we can convey a few prompts to influence them. Luke sighed deeply. This is a high-stakes game with almost no chance of success. Even if we trick them, then what? What if we get them to believe we're on the frontier in the 1800s? They won't believe it for long, and they'll probably already know the truth before their corporate master brings them back. Not if they get jetted back to the real human world after they believe they're already in the human world a couple centuries ago. They will think they time-traveled. They won't think they went to a new place. They'll just think they went to a different time. It will change the focus of their funding source, whatever that is. They'll want to know how to make money by investing it in the past to gain future power. That's what I would do. I would buy silver mines and get out before they go bust buy huge shares of railroads that I know succeed. I would buy the loyalty of the right politicians of that time period. I would buy the land where I know the oil fields are, where I know the biggest areas of Western expansion happen. If they're looking to make money, and let's face it, our world is obsessed with that, that's what they would think of. And if we're lucky, they'll turn their vigor to that. They would prepare to go back again to the other time and buy all the resources they want in the present before anyone knows they're valuable. They will be thinking about how to literally own a chunk of the past and everything that happens after that would keep them busy enough to stop hypothesizing about some alternate dimension they don't even have evidence of. They would just keep adjusting and adjusting their technology to get better at time travel, even though they never did time travel. They just thought they did. What a great rabbit trail to send them down.
Luke asked, how do we know Anya's magicians can get them from the edge into the human world at the right time period to communicate all the Smith's information to the people that sent them? We don't, Annalise said, but it would get them out of here. And if the magicians are any good, maybe it gets them back where they started. We can only hope. And if you help them by navigating them with your map, the chances are even better. If not, then they land in another time and they think they just time jumped twice when it was only once. But at least for now, they would be out. How they and their inventors find each other again is not Anya's problem. This is very complicated, Annalise, he said, and those soldiers aren't stupid men. To even get the illusion set up would take time, and they will remember some things about what happened that even the power of suggestion would be difficult to overcome. Annalise had a sudden thought. We'll have to see if Samuel can have them put to sleep for a while, and they will wake confused. What? Luke asked. And by the time they wake, they'll come upon us traveling by the supposed prairie on our way to who knows where, Dakota Territory or something. We'll offer them some water and food with just a little bit of doctrine to keep them mildly disoriented until the magicians jump them out back to the human world. I read Samuel's journal, Luke. The man's got some wildly interesting recipes in there. He's ahead of his time on both narcotics and hallucinogens. It's impressive. He would know how to give them just enough to be effective. They wouldn't even know their tea and food were altered. We would have to get them sent back to the human world just as soon as they begin to believe our illusion, but not long enough for one of us to screw up and say or do something modern, maybe one day or one overnight at most. This is a very large plan with a lot of certainties, Annalise. It's a horrible thing to say, but it would be easier to kill them all. With that equipment, Annalise asked, all we would have is just these hunters and the 9mm I stole. In a fight, there is no chance we win. He paused. You stole a nine? She shrugged. One of them dropped it in a fight. I know how to use it, so I grabbed it. There are only three rounds in it, though. It's not going to do us much good. He sighed. I don't know anything about you, do I? Not one thing. I have to find out everything about you in bits. Well, it wasn't important, she said, so I didn't bring it up. He just shook his head. This is madness. This whole place is insane. This plan is wildly inappropriate. This plan, he sighed and went silent. This is a decent plan, she said, considering. He asked, and if it can't be done, or if it fails? She said softly, then I guess we kill them somehow. I don't know. Then these people will be back in danger again because their scouts will come looking for their guys. Or the soldiers will interrogate and eventually kill you and me and Samuel, too, Luke said. Yes, Annalise said, or that. But that would happen in the edge and not in this beautiful world, and that's all I can give. I'll do it alone if you want. I would use a hunter as a companion, but they act so peculiar, they would ruin it all for sure. I would do it with Samuel, if you will. You have a family to return to, and he doesn't, and nor do I. Luke shook his head. No one is going to believe that a young woman and an old man happened to be headed west across 1800's frontier alone without a guide or a soldier or a husband, Annalise. No one. I don't even care if you put on a prairie dress and a bonnet and spike their food with opium. The idea is reckless at best and outrageous unless I go along. A younger adult male would make it slightly more believable. It also may cause them to hesitate before trying to take any ungentlemanly liberties with you. I cannot believe I am saying this. They aren't going to believe us anyway, and it's a whole company of them. You could be right, she said. You might die. You need to know that. Well, so might you, he said. I'm not afraid of death, she said, and you know why. He stood up very suddenly. 
I know. I know why, and I'm sick of hearing about it, Annalise. I know you want to be with your daughter, but I want to be with you. Damn it all, and I know it's wrong to claim this, but you dragged me into this world with your magic, so now I will not have you leaving me. You should be mine, and you aren't just going to wave goodbye and head off into the world of the dead and leave my soul bleeding without you. Good God, how could you want that? He nearly yelled it, and then he went silent, looking rather pale. I'm sorry, he said. That was unfair. I suppose it was fair, she said. I got you into this, but you have sworn a vow of marriage, and I will not cause the breaking of it. That's guilt you don't want, and I sure don't need it either. Even if you could forget it every night, you would remember it again every time the sun came up. He closed his eyes and paused. I love her. My wife... I loved her once much more than now. I don't even know what's happening there anymore, but even before I left, it was falling apart. There was never enough for her, never enough jewelry or cars or trips around the world. Annalise held up a hand to stop him. I understand, Luke. Marriages have problems. All of the marriages have problems. No explanation needed. Just don't worry about it. He took a deep breath and said, Yes, I love her, but I love you, Annalise, in an all-consuming and different way that I can't stop. Don't take yourself out of my world. There. He had said it, and there was no one saying it. She said softly, Okay, listen. Your children are waiting. I would bleed my body dry right now to be with my child, and I can't imagine the helplessness you must feel being apart from yours. And so, say you will do this thing with me and try to get those soldiers out of here. If you do this for me, I will go back with you to our world, for better or worse. You'll come back, he said with hopeful eyes. You will leave out of this place that makes you radiant and powerful and return to a broken world where your heart hurts? I will, she said. I'll return to the farm. I'll leave you to your peace, and you will keep your vows. Maybe someday I'll see you in the town, and you'll have to pretend not to know me. But we will know what we did to put the world right. We will grow old, and never again will we meet under the willow tree. But we will remember, yes, I will do this. He quietly asked, and you will stay in the land of the living, knowing your child waits on noon. I will stay in the land of the living until the day I die, she said, whenever that is. Now, let's see if Anya will talk to us. She stormed out of here with your map in a bit of a snit. And if her magicians can help direct our amateur efforts at creating the doorway to send the soldiers away, we have Dr. Taylor to go find. So for those of you who joined me this evening on our little Willow Bower journey, thank you for being here. I hope that your season is going well, that your roads are calm, and so are your seas. And uh, be well. Take care of yourself. And I will see about finding our next step for Luke and Annalise. And in the meantime, good night.